Hello, my name is Andrew Chamberlain, and I'm a writer and creative writing tutor, and you are listening to episode two of the Creative Writer's Tool Belt, the podcast that gives you practical, accessible advice that you can apply straight away to your own writing. And this month, I'm going to be focusing on dialogue. In the first episode, I introduced the concept of showing, not telling, and said that there were five techniques you could use to really enhance your work in this area. And those five were, number one, sprinkle your work with dialogue. Number two, use the senses. So what are your characters seeing, hearing, smelling, tasting and touching? Number three, hint at things, imply things and suggest things. Don't tell them outright. Number four, use detail. Be sparse and specific, by which I meant include some very particular details about your characters and scene, but don't overload the narrative with them. And number five, include some humour. So today I'm going to talk a little bit more about the first of those, using dialogue. When you think about it, how you get to know someone is through communicating with them, and hearing what they have to say is an important part of that. So it's no surprise that one of the best ways for the reader to get to know your character is to listen to what they have to say. And In the medium of writing, we don't have as much opportunity to convey the other important aspects of communication, like body language. So we need to make our dialogue work as hard as possible to achieve our goals. Well, what are those goals? Well, there are three main objectives to dialogue in creative writing, and they are one, presenting and developing your character, two, building tension, and three, moving your plot forward and energising it. So let's start by looking at three quick examples of how dialogue can achieve each of these objectives. First of all, how can dialogue develop character? Listen to this passage and let's see what's happening. Oh, I don't know what your mother's going to think, said Dad, wiping his hands on the tea towel. Mum's going to have to lump it, said Sally. I'm going to the concert with Ray and that's the end of it. If you want to spend the rest of your life creeping around her, worried about what she's going to say or think, good luck to you. But I'm not. But Sally, it's her birthday that day. You know she likes to have her family around her. She likes the world to revolve around her, but it doesn't. Yes, but Sally, don't you get it, Dad? I've had enough. I'm going to live my own life. Oh, you are as stubborn as your mother. So what can we conclude from that passage? Well, it tells us something about Sally she's a little bit rebellious, she's very determined, perhaps she's angry about the way she's been brought up. It tells us something about her dad. He's worried, he's henpecked perhaps, he wants to keep the peace and he's caught between a strong mother and daughter and it even tells us something about mum even though she doesn't feature in the conversation, that perhaps she's quite a dominant woman, perhaps she is the matriarch of this family. Now here's another example, an even shorter passage and this is showing you how you can build tension with dialogue. Just have a seat, Alan, please, said John. Why? Can you just sit down? I can talk standing up, thank you. Now that's not much more than 20 words, but immediately from the dialogue we can see that there is tension between Alan and John. We don't know necessarily what they're going to talk about, but this has given us some context for the conversation they're about to have. Now dialogue can also be used to set the context for furthering the plot. There are plenty of ways to do this. Let's suppose you want to introduce some bad news to move your plot on. You could do this through a conversation. Consider this example. Hi Sally, said Mark. How are you doing? You haven't heard then, said Sally. Heard what? So this conversation has teed the reader up for some shocking or bad news. Now I want to bring all of these objectives together in a longer example and try to use some techniques which you could bring to your own writing. Here I want you to imagine that you're writing a mystery in which someone is murdered in a cinema and there are some detectives on the case and they don't know that this was the scene of the crime. And you want to show how they work this out. You want to do it while developing their characters and perhaps showing some tension between the two detectives who are involved with the case. The scene starts with the two detectives together after several hours of work trying to crack this case. 
There's also evidence of some kind of office party that they've had. They haven't got very far and they're about to give up. So here's the passage. Detective Jones reached back in his chair and growled. I've had enough of this, he said, stretching. So what have we got? Is that the dawn? said Detective Ross, staring out of the window. Talk to me about scene of crime, Ross, before it gets to tomorrow. Jones looked around the office, breathing in the stale air. What was left of the party food was still on Ross's desk. Get some of this cleared away, said Jones. It's making me feel queasy. Ross stood up and began to gather it all together, clattering about cheerfully with cups, plates and stale food. Well, a new day might bring some inspiration, he said, as he threw the whole lot into a bin liner. On second thoughts, maybe you should stop. I can't hear myself think, said Jones. Sorry, Gov, said Ross. What we've got is... Damn! Ross had tipped a box of popcorn onto the floor. He dropped the bin liner and sighed. Shall I get the dustpan and brush, boss? What? Of course. Do you want to spend half an hour picking it up with your fingers? All right, I was only asking, said Ross. Jones could hear him rummaging in the stores covered outside. He came back in with a brush and pan and looked at a couple of unopened bottles. Did you want to keep any of that drink? Yes. Now just try and sort this lot out quietly, said Jones. I'm going to listen to a transcript of the telephone conversation again. Maybe she was at a party too. All the noise in the background sounded like a oh, do. Yeah, but there wasn't a party. We know that. Maybe she just dropped her popcorn, said Ross, scraping the floor with the brush. Sure, she was as clumsy as you, Ross, throwing stuff around, said Jones, shaking his head. Ah, oh, we should finish up here. I'm getting one more coffee then. Do you want one? Oh, yes, please. Jones pushed at the office door and stomped out to the vending machine. Ross swept the remaining detritus of last night's party into the black plastic bag, humming to himself and using the brush to flick the last crumbs off the desk. He was tying the black plastic bag when the door banged just behind him. What did you say? said Jones. I said, yes please, I'll have a coffee. No, not the coffee. What did you say? When? Before I went out. About our party. I don't know, said Ross frowning. I think I asked you if you wanted to keep the drink. No, before that. Jones walked around in a tight circle. No, I mean after that. I said you should keep some of the drink and you said sounds like she was having her own party. Then what did you say? said Jones. Think, come on. Like there was a lot of noise in the background, said Ross. You know, party sounds like people and popcorn. People and popcorn, said Jones, staring at his colleague. Where do you get people and popcorn? She wasn't at a party, said Ross. She was at the cinema. Now in this passage, I've used dialogue to show something about the character of Jones and Ross, the detectives, build some tension and move the plot forward in what I hope is a believable manner. Let's look at some of the techniques that I've used. First of all, I've tried to keep a consistent tone and style of speech for each character. So I wanted Jones, the senior detective, to be abrupt and irritable. Here are the few opening lines again. Detective Jones reached back in his chair and growled. I've had enough of this, he said, stretching. So what have we got? Is that dawn? said Detective Ross, staring out of the window. Talk to me about scene of crime, Ross, before it gets to tomorrow. Jones looked around the office, breathing in the stale air. What was left of the party food was still on Ross's desk. Get some of this cleared away, said Jones. It's making me feel queasy. Jones is grumpy from the start. I'm giving him short, curt sentences. He orders Ross to clear up. There's no please, there's no thank you, there's no politeness. Meanwhile, I want Ross to be a softer, more conciliatory character. So consider this exchange. Ross stood up and began to gather it all together, humming to himself, clattering about with cups, plates and stale food. Well, a new day might bring some inspiration, he said, as he threw the whole lot in the bin liner. On second thoughts, maybe you should stop. I can't hear myself think, said Jones. Sorry, Gov, said Ross. What we've got is, damn, he tipped the box of popcorn on the floor. He dropped the bin liner and sighed. Shall I get the dustpan and brush, Gov? What? Of course. Do you want to spend half an hour picking the damn stuff up? 
Ross is kind of cheerful even though he's in a difficult situation and that contrasts with Jones's grumpiness. Ross's mood is unaffected by Jones. He asks questions and thereby seems a bit deferential if uncertain. So I've tried to build two quite different characters just by using the dialogue between the two of them. So the second task, building tension. This isn't an aggressive conversation, but I've consistently made Jones's manner mildly confrontational. How? Through showing frustration, through sarcasm. Sure, she was as clumsy as you, Ross, throwing stuff around, said Jones, shaking his head, through abrupt, short sentences and responses. What? Of course. Do you want to spend half an hour picking the damn stuff up? All right, I was just asking. So my third objective is to use dialogue to move the plot forward. And you will notice that I haven't just given away the key piece of information in the story straight away. I've had these two characters talk about the context of what's going on, talk about the scene, talk about the struggle they're having, working out what's happening. And they come to it gradually. So I'm trying to show the reader how this piece of information emerged. It wasn't just straightforward. They had to work for it and they had to think about it. And it was almost a mixture of luck and instinct that got them there. Now, there are a couple of other points that I want to make from this passage. What I've also tried to do is to give the scene pace and energy by having the characters not answer each other directly. So, for example, again, at the beginning of the passage, the conversation goes like this. I've had enough of this, he said, stretching. So what have we got? Is that Dawn? said Detective Ross, staring out the window. Talk to me about scene of crime, Ross, before it gets to tomorrow. Now, you'll notice how the second and third pieces of dialogue in that passage Don't follow on directly from the preceding one. So when Detective Jones says, I've had enough of this, so what have we got? Ross answers by saying, is that Dawn? To which Jones says, talk to me about scene of crime, Ross, before it gets to tomorrow. Each of them is having a conversation with the other that is connected, but they're not directly answering each other. Now you can use this technique to keep the pace of the dialogue up. The danger with it, though, is that if you try and do it too quickly, if you make your dialogue too obscure, you'll lose the reader. This technique is known as oblique dialogue, and you can find out more about it by looking at Sol Stein's book, and I'll give you the reference for that at the end of the podcast. The other technique that I've applied here is to always try to weave the dialogue into the scene. The characters in your writing need to react in context. So, for example, here, Jones is reacting to the fact that he's been up all night working away, and he's tired, he's irritable, and he's surrounded by stale party food from some office party that they had the night before. So when you're making your dialogue work for you, remember that it should also reflect the context of the situation. Finally, two dangers to avoid. First, don't put too much exposition in your dialogue. Let the characters talk about something, but let them show it rather than reply to each other directly. So let's look at a quick example of that. Consider this passage. Hi Fred, do you know where the coffee is kept? Hi Bob, yes I know where the coffee is kept. It is kept in the cupboard. Do you mean the cupboard above the stove? Yes, I mean the cupboard above the stove. It's kept there with the tea and sugar. Oh yes, so it is. I can see the coffee and the tea and the sugar. Now if you write like that, the noise you'll hear is your reader leaving the building. So keep the dialogue tight. Short, punchy statements that are slightly oblique and that show what's going on. The second danger to avoid is to try not to be too fancy with your speech tags. So those are the little snippets of text that you put at the end of dialogue, like he said or she replied. 
And basically, you need to keep those as brief as possible. And in almost all cases, using the word said will do the job for you. And if you find that you have to use something else, especially if you end up using an adverb, pick an active and lively verb instead. So to give you an example, don't say he said loudly, say he shouted. Don't say she said quietly, say she whispered. So I hope that's given you some insight into how you can use dialogue to enrich and enliven your characters, generate some energy and confrontation in your work, and move the plot along. And in the last episode, I promised some advice on grammar and punctuation. So here's a little snippet of advice for you. If you're writing a list, separate each item in the list by a comma, except the last item, which is preceded by the word and. So for example, cup, saucer, and spoon is cup, comma, saucer, comma, and spoon, no comma after the and. Now that was quite a simple one to start with, but there'll be some more tricky and awkward grammar and punctuation examples coming up in future episodes. And if you struggle with grammatical rules, I'd recommend Strunk and White's book, Elements of Style. And again, I'll give you a reference for that at the end of the podcast. So that's it for this month. Next month, I'll be talking some more about showing, not telling. And we'll also have a look at some other issues around grammar and punctuation. And today I have referred to two books and they are Solutions for Writers, Practical Craft Techniques for Fiction and Nonfiction by Sol Stein, published by Souvenir Press, and The Elements of Style by William Strunk and E.B. White, published by Longman. And I'd recommend both of them to you. If you've enjoyed the show or you want to comment, please do get in touch with me. The show notes and blog for this and future episodes are at my website, which is www andrewjchamberlain.com Please do drop me a line, leave comments, I'd love to hear from you. My thanks to the guys from podcastthemes.com for providing the theme music. Thank you for listening. Till next time, goodbye.